Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. Chuck, how are you doing? Uh, good. That's Chuck, by the way, and I'm Josh. Uh, we're going to be your guides through this next 15 minutes of total mind expansion. Right. Tell you some stuff you should know. Yeah, and this one's actually pretty cool. Uh, the one we're, we're doing today, I, I guess they're all pretty cool. We, we like to make them cool, but this one's something that uh, probably a lot of uh, your friends won't know about, so you can wow them at uh, the next cocktail party, right? the next kid's birthday party. Any kind of party. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's very succinct, Chuck. Um, Chuck, let's talk about legal fiction. Okay. Okay. You you want me to talk about yeah, it? Yeah. You're not talking about John Grisham. <clears throat> no. No. Who? No. Sorry. That was um, Crichton that died. Right. I think John Grisham is alive and well. Yes. And he's an attorney and a novelist. Right. Yeah. And he's pretty good, too. Um, but no, we're not talking about Grisham's work. Um, we're talking about – it's actually a uh, – it's a, it's a legal term that's used uh, basically to describe uh, any time a court says something is true that's not true. Just for the sake of moving things along, right. keeping things tidier. It's kind of like if you and I were having a conversation, Chuck, and I said, you know, um, my uh, my right jab is a million times better than yours, and we were kind of debating that. Uh-huh. Rather than stopping and saying, that that's hyperbole, I don't agree with that, you're right. just going to kind of nod, and, and we're going to stick to the meat of it, right? right? Or we should punch each other. and We could find out. That's, that's one way tags. to find out, yeah. Although, as everyone knows, we, we're not big fighters. No, I would miss your your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad I am. It'd be clumsy. Uh, well, let me give you an example of legal fiction specifically. Um, there's, uh, there's this thing called a renunciation of a legacy. Have you heard of this? No. So basically, let's say uh, I find out that I'm in your will. Okay. And I'm just like that Chuck, he's far too generous. I I can't accept this. You know, maybe if I if I take myself out of his will, uh he will um go ahead and give that money to uh the the poor or orphans or something like right. that. Okay. Um the thing is is you're sticking to your guns. I'm in your will, you love me, you wanna leave me some money. Right. There's something I can do. I can renounce that legacy. Okay. I go to the court and the court says, "Okay, you're dead. You have uh the the Chuck has outlived you. Okay. As far as this will's concerned, I've predeceased you, which means that any claim I could have is null and void since I'm no longer alive." Right. See what I'm saying? I do. That's legal fiction. Right. They as far as that will's concerned, I'm dead, you're still alive. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? It is. There's another piece of legal fiction called Corporate personhood? That's right. Yes. This is the meat of what we're talking about here. Indeed. Um, Corporate personhood is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, There is a legal custom, not just in the U.S., but it dates back to the Romans, I believe. The ancient Romans, not today's Romans. Right. The the, the original Romans. Right. um, Where a corporation, which is really just a pool of investors' money that's, that's, that's taken together and used to conduct business. Right. Is it's considered an actual artificial person under the law? Yeah, the, 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 this is kind of blew me away. Me too, to be honest. Yeah, there's this guy named Tom Hartman, um, who I heard years ago on NPR talking about this, and he wrote this great book, um, and it, it's worth a read. I can't remember what it's called right now. I've got it written down on one of my notes that I can't find, but um, he he turned me onto this. He has this radio show out west, and. He is very much against corporate personhood. A lot of people are. Here's why. 
corporations, if you treat them as a person, well, our punitive legal system, Chuck, that keeps us from, you know, stabbing old ladies for their purses or, you know, just walking into grocery stores and opening up cash registers. Right. There's a little thing called prison. Sure. There's also a thing called the gas chamber, the electric chair, the hangman's gallows. There is punishment out there for our actions. Uh And these, 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 this punishment is designed to keep us from crossing that line from upstanding citizen to, you know, anarchistic criminal. Right. Um, and, and so we don't do things in large part because there's prison, there's consequences. Right. If not, I would be hitting old ladies over the head every day. Who wouldn't? Exactly. It, it's, prison keeps our society intact. Right. I'm it's joking. It's as clear of as that. Right. So, um, with a corporation, you have to kind of look at it since it's an artificial person. You have to look at it as a superhuman person too. Right. It doesn't need food. It doesn't need water. You can't put it in prison. It doesn't feel pain. Right. Um, it has no lifespan. Right. Can't it, die. It's it's limitless as long as there's those shares are out there and it's making a profit. Right. A corporation can live indefinitely. Right. Um, so this is why it's kind of a sticky discussion. This is why people like Tom Hartman are very much against corporate personhood. Right. And the whole thing, actually, um, this has been going on for a while. Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, was very much an advocate of putting uh, uh, life, lifespan limits, restrictions, right. including uh, lifespan limits on corporations in the Constitution. And he failed. Yeah, he failed. On each count. Yeah. So actually we almost had a constitutional provision that said corporations can only last this long and there's a, this limitation. Right. Because Jefferson in his usual capacity saw – Far into the future, and all the problems that this random aspect of uh, you know American society or global society uh, will have. He was a pretty insightful dude, and he was absolutely right. We've run into some serious problems with the concept of corporate personhood. Right, and I know the Fourteenth Amendment is kind of where it all comes together. Yeah, it, actually, the irony of the whole thing is that. It, rather than being restricted by the Constitution, corporations were actually right. protected by the Constitution. Right. As artificial people yep. under the 14th Amendment, uh, which I know you pointed out, the last word of the 14th Amendment, equal rights uh, protection under the law to every person. Every person. That is a very significant word. Right. Because, of course, corporations are artificial persons. Right. Right. So um, – in very rapid succession, that was, I think, 1868 when that was ratified, the 14th Amendment. Uh-huh. Very quickly, a um, a court case came to the Supreme Court for a decision that had to do with applying that to corporations. Right. Santa Clara County v. Uh, Southern Pacific Railroad. Yeah. And if you think about it, basically applying a, a constitutional amendment that protected – Freed slaves, newly freed slaves, uh-huh. and then trying to get it to apply to corporations. Isn't that the pinnacle of tastelessness? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, 19th century robber barons weren't above anything. And one of the things they did was in that case, the Union Pacific case, um, they they finally applied it. They, the Supreme Court, uh, I can't remember who was at the head at the time, basically said, you know what? We realize what this case is saying. And ultimately what the case did was it upheld the longstanding custom that it was up to a state to uh, tax 
right. and to charter corporations. Right. And that's still going on today. Like uh, as uh, President-elect Obama excruciatingly pointed out in, I think, the second debate, uh-huh. uh, Delaware is a big haven for credit card companies. Right. Which is where his, the the vice president elect hails from because of the tax benefits, correct? Yeah, it's set up in a certain way so that credit card companies benefit the most from that state. Right. Uh, same with Florida is a tax haven for I think real estate businesses or something like that. Right. I, I think Florida doesn't have an income tax. Is that right? No, they don't or have sales that tax. either. They don't. Or they, they just don't, don't have, have an income tax. tax. <laughs> yeah. No, they just operate on borrowed time. Right. I'm moving to Florida. Yeah. Same here, buddy. Um, so in this case, Santa Clara versus uh, Southern Pacific, Union Pacific, one of the two. Southern. Southern Pacific, thank you. Um, that was established. But here is where everything just gets totally hinky. I know, and I, I couldn't believe this. <laughs> this, this is, is crazy. Irk you? Yeah. The, the court reporter for the Supreme Court wrote a little head note, which right. is exactly what it sounds like. It's a note at the head of the briefs of the ruling, and it said, court decides that under the 14th Amendment, uh, corporations are afforded uh, protection, equal protection under the law. And that was it. Right. But where it gets hinky, as you say, is that the chief justice did not uh, say this. No. It, he actually wrote a personal note that was uncovered later on that said that the court specifically did not rule on that. They right. knew that that's what the case came down it to. It was just written down. prepared to do that. Right. Just written down by the court reporter. By the court reporter, who turned out to be... Uh, I believe an ex uh, president, ex railroad president, ex railroad president. Which I this is that a step back to go Apparently to court or not? You know, there's a long tradition of high finance of huge industry putting their own people into public government. Interesting. Uh, as somebody said recently, you know, um, Paulson's from Goldman Sachs, and so right. is Kashkari. Right. Somebody said recently there is a revolving door between pu- uh, private and public. Service right, very linked, and I, apparently this was this has been going on for a very long time. Yeah, well, it worked in this case. It did because the, the, since it was a head note, it wasn't law, but it did set precedent. Right, and I, I don't understand how that works. To be honest, well, somebody can say, "Look, it's written right here," and and it, right. you can use it as part of your argument. And they did. I think two years later, there was another case. I think another railroad case or something. They pointed to it, and the Supreme Court finally ruled and said. Yes, uh, corporations have equal protection under the law right. as artificial persons. Because this schmuck wrote it down. Because he wrote it down <laughs> at the head note of a ruling that had nothing to do with it. Yeah, that. I had no idea that the court reporter was such a position of power. Well, apparently no one else did either. Yeah. But yeah, so that's how we've gotten to the point where corporations have the same protection as you. Chuck, uh, the cops can't just come into your house and start looking around in the hopes that they find something incriminating. No. Because you're a person and sure. you're protected under, I think, the Fourth Amendment from unreasonable search Certainty. and seizure. Yeah. So too are corporations. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a case in the 70s where uh, OSHA inspectors, uh, you know, they could just walk into a corporate uh, headquarters business, something like that. Right. For uh, inspection. And-, and Yeah. Looking for violations, that kind of thing. Somebody sued that, you know, uh, the corporations enjoy the same protection under the law in the Fourth Amendment and won. Right. So now, if you want to find violations, you have to make an appointment with the, uh, you know, a manager, the store, um, the, the, one of the corporate officers. Right. And I know, uh, I don't think this applies for, uh, food restaurant inspections because I used to work in restaurants and I remember we were always caught very much off guard when the health inspector showed up. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why that would be any different, but yeah. Well, maybe it just will take a restaurant to file a suit for it to happen. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, there's also a, a really sterling example that Nike? I love. Nike. Yeah. Nike. Um, as we all know, as as is uh, common knowledge now, uh, Nike was running some really abusive corporate uh, practices right. overseas in Sweat their factories. It's one word for them, definitely. In the 90s, this is not widely known. Right. I mean, a certain subversive section of the of society understood this. Right. People that did their homework. Right. right. Most people didn't really walk around going, oh, Nike runs sweatshops over in, you know, I think uh, Malaysia. Uh-huh. Um, one MIT student actually managed to break it into the, the public view. And uh, I can't remember. Do you remember when this was, when Nike would allow you to have anything you want stitched on yeah, their shoes, which I, I campaign? Don't, I don't remember that, but it was in 2001. You could uh, get something stitched, a personal message or whatever, your, your, name, your name. Something, yeah. Yeah, and this guy from MIT wanted uh, the word sweatshop embroidered on his Nikes. Yeah. And, and uh, they said no. They said no. So he forwarded the email around. And in a very short order, it got picked up by some of the major news services. Right. And people started uh, investigating Nike's practices more and more. Right. Well, Nike started this huge PR blitz. Right. Where they said, no, that's absolutely not true. This is this is completely unfounded. We treat all of our employees very well. I mean, just lie after lie after lie. Yeah. Finally, somebody went to Malaysia, some of these countries, these developing countries where Nike was running these sweatshops, and filmed the practices. Right. Somebody and made a, a pretty decent documentary out of it. I can't remember what it was called, but apparently the, the living conditions were important. Factory workers were um, living in shanty towns next to the factory, and their roofs were made of um, discarded soles, right. like the stuff they used to, for the soles of the Nike. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's just really bad business practices so finally nike is forced to say okay fine you know maybe well a man we don't. sued them yeah that's Cal- right yeah Thank you, a lawsuit Chuck. was brought by a man in california in 1998 and what was nike's defense uh nike's defense was and this is just unbelievable was that because they are granted the same rights as people they are allowed to lie yep under the uh, uh what, fourth amendment first first freedom of speech yeah yeah, so they, they were false advertising. You can't be sued for it because you're allowed to lie because right. you're a corporation and an artificial person. Yeah, it uh, didn't, didn't really hold water though. It, it didn't, and uh, but no one ever ruled on it. Well, it's because they settled. Nike settled smartly. Yeah, and so they, I think, shelled out like 15 million or something like that. It Actually, went, just 1.5, unless your oh, decimal God, point was it? off. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and, well, it did go to some sort of uh, labor protection right group, but sure. 1.5 million. Yeah, that's not a lot. It's not a lot. Of Although that will buy you a couple of houses in Malaysia, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but the 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 fact is, it's still the jury's still out on whether or not uh, a corporation can lie. The fact, but that's that's how. This whole thing has been established over time. It's been kind of um, whittled away and added to and taken from. Right. The 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 I guess happy ending to this story is Nike was finally uh, put in such a bad light that they wrote a lengthy report on the working conditions of their factories, all of them. Right. And basically, you know, self-reported that they were mistreating their workers right. overseas and cleaned up their acts. Yeah, so. I believe so. Yeah, freedom freedom of speech goes both ways, and in our litigious society, it's good to have good lawyers if uh, corporations yeah. have the same rights as you. It's a shame it took that uh, kind of action, though, for Nike to 
to realize that you know the greed that was going on. Agreed. That's just my opinion. No, no, I agree with you. I don't know who wouldn't. Well, thanks for listening. Go tell everybody that uh, all corporations have the same constitutional protections as you. Just and do it. If they Exactly. And if they don't now, they soon will. Well, you can read all about corporations having the same rights as you by just typing in a few magic keywords in our search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. <laughs>